Welcome to She Is Fierce. Stories from the female and genderqueer perspective. The podcast. Um, in case you didn't listen to the first episode, but are now going to listen to the second one, um, She Is Fierce, Stories from the Female and Genderqueer Perspective, is a storytelling show that currently exists in Seattle and now is a podcast. Ooh la la. That is... Ooh la la. Um, and we tell stories of um, people who are female or genderqueer identified individuals and those individuals tell their own stories in a way that makes sense to them and they also sometimes get an opportunity to collaborate with different artists and this is our second podcast episode. Welcome to our second podcast episode. Um, Chessa, Chessa, where are you at right now? I am in a closet in Washington, (laughs) D.C. Oh, also, in case you didn't listen to the first episode, my name is Chessa Betancourt. My pronouns are she and her. My name is Linnea Ingalls, and my pronouns are she and her. We are very far away from each other right now. Linnea, where are you? I am not in a closet, but I am in Seattle, which is kind of like a closet. (laughs) Yes, it is. It's dark. It's It's dark here. It's called the closet of the United States. (laughs) So we're a storytelling show and now a podcast, Um, and each storytelling show that we do live typically has a theme, Um, and we did, our first episode was the entire uh, show of our first, our very first show. It was all of the stories, but we're actually going to switch up the format a little bit, and now we're going to do one story per episode. And so for our very second episode, we're going to be sharing the story of Misha with you all. Uh, Misha is from Youngstown, Ohio. Yes, Misha Harville. Um, She's absolutely wonderful. Um, She's an educator, writer, musician, and spoken word artist. And this story is from our Secrets show, The Theme of Secrets, that we had in April 2019 in Seattle. Linnea, what's resonating for you right now about The Theme of Secrets? Ooh, what kind of secrets do I have? Um, Keeping with the the theme of what uh, I talked about last time, which, if you didn't hear the first episode, I talked about the first time I pooped my pants. Um, <laughs> my secret when I was in kindergarten was that I thought that um, if I didn't say excuse me when I farted, that God would punish me. Um, and so every time I farted in kindergarten, I would whisper very silently to myself, excuse me. Only for you and God. Only for me and God. That's absolutely cool. mm-hmm. What is your, what's, uh, what kind of secret are you thinking about right now? That is amazing. I, I feel like, um, I feel like I, both of these themes have just made me think of childhood. Um, and one thing that comes to mind, especially because it's Christmas time right now, uh, or like holiday time, is that uh, I get made fun of a lot because I believed in Santa Claus until I was like 13 years old. <laughs> I forgot um, about that. <laughs> but it's like a weird, it's like a secret that you keep, but to be kind to your child, it's like you're lying to them, but for a like nice reason. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, it was because I had put a tooth under my pillow and I hadn't told my mom, cause I, why would I? Cause I thought the tooth fairy just knew. And then I was like, mom, the tooth fairy didn't come. And she was like, oh, I have to tell you something. And she like sat me down and was like, well, you're going into middle school so I need to tell you this. And she told me that Santa wasn't real. And I was so devastated by that information oh. um 
And oh. <laughs> little baby Tessa was just, like, weeping. And she just kept being like, well, didn't you, like, wonder at some point? Because both my siblings, when they were, like, six, were like, wait, it, Santa's not real, right? And, like, moved on with their lives. But I just kept believing. And my response was, well, I didn't think that you would lie to me. And she she just, like, was like, oh, my God, you're completely right. That's horrible. <laughs> That's betrayal. Wow. It is. True. Yeah. Um, yeah. And your your mother is one of the nicest people I think that has ever existed on yeah. the face of planet Earth. So she's a true gem. Yeah. But she did lie to me for thirteen years and tell me that um, a large man came down my chimney <laughs> to give me presents at Christmas because that's what we do to be kind to our to our children. Um, uh, anyway, well. <laughs> so we're very excited to share with you Misha's story. We hope you enjoy it. Here is Misha Harville from our Secrets Show. Good evening. I have some instructions for your journey in listenership tonight. Listen closely. Laugh when uncomfortable. You will hear a series of pieces written by a sad black girl about her obsession with death and the secrets it reveals. While these pieces are sad, please note that this sad black girl is multifaceted and many layered. So this is just a snapshot in. How do I know you want to hear this? This just in. Black deaths have gone up 88% in searches on every major search engine and news outlet. Lucky for you, you will only have to view this through the safety of the theater and the many screens you have at your disposal. TV screens, privilege screens, I don't see color screens, and of course, the ever necessary, I don't believe black women's pain screens. But please, above all else, remember this is not, this is not, this is not for your entertainment. I forced myself to read my mother's death certificate. I had to read it over and over and over. After a while, I'd memorized parts of it. Would call them to mind randomly and not so randomly like Magnolia Street. Time of death, 9.50 p.m. GSW. How somebody told me that if she had not been shot in the head, her heart was strong enough to have made it. How long it took her organs to decide that life could no longer fill her bullet-riddled body. My mother taught me to walk before she died. I know this because my sisters told me. My mother with a strong heart. I wish I could remember what being held by her feels like. What her heart may have sounded like. With my head pressed against her chest, alive and beating. And alive and beating. Are you even allowed to mourn your mother if you only have pieces of memories that are more borrowed than anything else? I always imagine what I was doing at the exact moment her heart stopped. I wonder if I even knew. No one bothers to explain death to a toddler. They baby talk to you while crying. No one explains dying. There is a whole lot of sighing that happens around death. At two, I took in a deep breath and held it. For 20 years, I've been holding my breath. What death does to the living is disgustingly and grotesquely fucked up. And I'm obsessed with it. I wish I knew the difference between when my secrets are being exploited and when I'm genuinely being listened to. As people were naturally just so curious that inevitably with a story like mine, there's going to be questions, which means there's also askers. You've probably been an asker. 
You hear of someone having a loved one pass away and you immediately, without hesitating, say, well, how did it happen? If you don't mind me asking. Or, well, how'd they die? If you don't mind me asking. You've never thought of it as rude or too pressing. It's just your natural curiosity that leads you to asking. You want to know. I mean, really know. I've gotten my answer down really good for the askers, but it's taken me years of discomfort and anger to get it right. And now I say my parents were murdered. My mom when I was two and my dad when I was seven. I say it that way because when I just used to say that they died, folks weren't satisfied. They'd assumed a dual accident of some sort took our parents from us. So I added that they were murdered to be more clear since you have to be with the askers. You owe them every piece of your story that they feel once heard and explained would then answer or unlock some wondering or mystery about you that they've been struggling with. Man, you cannot even imagine the fun I've had watching people while they squirm and twist themselves around every question they had ready to fire from their crusty, rude-ass lips. Wait, murdered? Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Well, how? If you don't mind me asking, well, were you there? If you, don't mean my, if you don't mind me asking, of course, was your mom killed first or was your dad killed? If you don't mind me asking. They just need to know. They have to have that juicy information about me. It's not real to them. The only real thing most people who have lived a life untouched by acts of violence and murder can connect my life to is a Law & Order episode or a movie. And movies and books love to romanticize the story of parents dying. A fiery car crash is usually how it happens. Oh, bummer. Now the protagonist in the story gets to have this coming-of-age tale while you read on satisfied with this bullshit portrayal of how the absence of parents due to violent means really fucking feels. It's a repeated pain that only dulls and then spikes but never goes away. Kind of like a toothache, but more death-filled. Less toothachey and more death-achey. And talking about aches and pains, man, that always reminds me of my grandmother. She'd say she had old author when talking about the aches and pains that she loved to tell me about. She'd be like, ooh, cha, don't get old like me, Misha. Child. I'm telling you what, I got old author in my hips, and, well, you know, my knees ain't never been quite right. And did you see how I can't really turn my neck all the way? Mm. You laugh, but you'll see. You'll see. If you live long enough, I can't, you'll see. She had the strength. Ooh, well, you know. Everyone talks about us black women and how strong we are. But if I'm being honest, sometimes I feel like a fake because of how strong I'm afraid I'm not. Not like the women in my family who held secrets so strongly you'd think they were competing for who could hold more. And sometimes I worry, like a lot of us probably do, that I might be becoming my grandmother. Okay, I'm basically becoming my grandmother. Like, damn, I grew up and became Alberta Woolen. She would sing her name on our voicemail every time she called. In case we didn't know who was calling, it was always grandma and she was always in a house coat. I don't know what they're actually called, but I've also heard them referred to as moo's. They were made of what seemed to be linen and had faded patterns of once bright floral seams. Most of her house coats had large side pockets on either side of the opening. I love that she would always put her hands in her pockets. I noticed it because we'd been discouraged from putting our hands in our pockets at home. My great aunt who raised us would say it wasn't ladylike or that it would make us look shiftless if we'd walk around with our hands in our pockets or behind our backs. But at my grandma's, I knew I was free to dig my hands deep into the pocket of any jacket or pants I'd chosen specifically to wear over there because my grandmother did it too. My grandmother lost her mind when my mom was murdered or that's what I was always taught to tie it to. And it makes sense. One day she told me that she knew my mom was going to die before it happened. 
She had stormed out of the house that day after one of my grandfather's mistresses called the house again for the umpteenth time that day. The woman on the other end of the phone would say, Is Ernie there? His name was Ernest. I thought only grandma called him Ernie. She'd ask that, and my grandmother, as patiently angry as could be, would say, No. With this almost quiet yell and hang up the phone with an aggravated sigh. I have a few ideas as to why she continually answered the phone, but I don't think I really need to explain them. Sometimes love is fucked up and how it fucks you up, and that's fucked up, all right? I loved my grandma. Most folks I know do. So I don't mean to sound as if I'm exceptional or like I'm the shit because my grandma was amazing, but I swear on everything. She was bomb. And so ain't it just perfect that I'm becoming her? But not the parts I admired. The ones that made me shake with secondhand embarrassment when... Is Ernie home? Would call. And Ernie was actually home. And Alberta Woolen would hand over the phone to her husband, knowing full well that the mother of her husband's other few kids was on the other line. Ain't that some shit? I can't believe I let myself get cheated on. I can barely laugh now about the irony of reading a text on my ex's phone a few years ago that read, I'm glad all she thinks we did was kiss. That's all the bitch needs to know with the cutest wink face emoji that 2015 technologies could muster. I'm not bitter about that anymore. I only needed to tie it in here to show you how it's all so ironic with my grandma and the cheating and whatnot. Are you following? Everyone in my family called my grandmother sis. Even her mom, my great granny. Her nieces and nephews called her auntie sis. Ernest even called her sis. I never thought of it as weird. I have no idea who started it. I'm assuming one of her five siblings and everyone embraced it. My best friend, Brian, he calls me sis now. That nickname feels right to me. It feels like the warmest, sweetest, drippiest memories of long, muggy Youngstown summers. He's never been to Ohio, but I want to take him someday so I can show him the good parts. The parts that don't remind me of where there was a blood stain for the longest time of my mother and her friend's bodies where they were killed over on the east side. I don't know if it's still there. I wouldn't be surprised if it's been replaced with some other bodies or somebody's body. You know what I mean. I talk a lot about death, you've noticed. And I guess that's another way I'm becoming my grandmother. She said she knew my mom was gonna die because two black crows came and told her so that day that she'd stormed out of their house on Sunshine Avenue. Grandma said she heard the door clatter close behind her. That door always refused to slam because it was a weaker storm door than could weather an even weaker marriage. But she tried anyway to slam it hard to release a flood of anger into the rackety door and rattle the house enough to shake out the devil. She never did. There was a black iron railing that circled the front porch of the house. Apparently, these birds landed right in front of her, and they were the biggest birds she'd ever seen. One was silent. The other was shrill and called my mother's nickname. Leany, like lean E. Grandma said she heard it clearly. It's hard to believe because she couldn't hear well and rarely had batteries in her hearing aid that wouldn't beep and whine every few minutes. I don't know how the bird saying my mom's name translated into her and her best friends being killed the next night, but it did. And grandma never liked birds after that. I've always been afraid of birds. In fact, I hate them. In twos, they look like death to me. One that will announce itself and the other that will come when you least expect it. Like my dad five years later. And you know what? There's something to be said for my having had no idea how my father was killed. I mean, not a clue. I asked multiple people over the last few years, and I've been met with bits and pieces of a story that sound too crazy to be true. And I used to be too afraid to look into it myself. But I decided to anyway. 
because I'm becoming my grandmother and I'm obsessed with death and people know and recite stories about their living, breathing parents all the time. And so I figured I should at least know how it happened for myself and for the askers. But that's another story and I do mind you asking. Thank you. Tell us about your relationship to this story and performing it. Yeah. Well, it's it's my story and my secrets. It's I've just been kind of writing chunks of it over the last couple of years um, and wanted to. The, the first thing I wrote was the piece about my grandmother and kind of I think it was just like I had a memory one day about her and her housecoats. And so my connection to housecoats and my grandmother just the story just kind of came out. And um, I thought. This would be really funny if I could like encapture like this Alberta woolen and how she complains about her pains and stuff like that. Because in our family, it wasn't ever like a making fun of her thing. It was just sort of like this comical thing that my grandmother would do. And we always would be like, oh, and what about your neck? Oh, and what about your knees? Oh, I know. I know your wrist is hurt. Oh, yeah. Your ears is hurting. You know, this is that whole thing. So um, it's a personal story. It's super personal. These, these real folks in my family. It's my story. What was the experience like doing it for She is Fierce? Um, it was it was difficult for me because I didn't, I wasn't sure how to put it on its feet. I didn't know how to turn it from it being on the page and just being this story that I was like reading to my friends and then sharing it dramatically. And so I think what what helped me a lot was she is fierce, Chessa and Linnea, like letting me do it with y'all a couple times and like get the feeling of saying it to people who don't know that this is my story and what that impact looks like and how to linger in the words and how to like make it a little bit more dramatic and stuff. But it felt healing to me. Like, it felt like I had to do that. Like, I had to just get it out there so that I could get past the fear of what are people going to think or are they going to understand it? Yeah, I think they did. We had a lot of people come up to us speaking like, I think I told you this before. They were like, who is that amazing human? Um, yeah, and the, and the performance of it for people that didn't get to see it. Misha like transformed into all of her characters and it was awesome um what makes you feel fierce or like powerful Ooh, a lot of things I would say I feel most powerful when my body feels strong and I during the she is fierce performance I let I um brought out the guns they gave my arms in my tank top and I feel really strong when I can like work out and exercise but I also feel really strong whenever I'm able to just like uh take up space in places that People like me typically don't like the gym. For example, there's not a lot of black women I see powerlifting. But when I go into the gym, I'm not asking for permission. I'm not asking anybody for help. I'm just going there and slanging weights. And that feels good to me. Um, And when I'm wearing like a fresh pair of shoes, that feels powerful to me. Misha has the coolest shoes. Hey, shout out to my shoes. What up, shoes? Hey, Mish. Um, (laughs) That was was not their voice. That was (laughs) a, hey, Mish. You're wearing me. Anyway, um, I feel powerful when I'm like working out and working my body and like feeling powerful in my body and then I feel powerful in a fly pair of kicks I just feel powerful when I'm ever able to be and just exist safely in a space yeah thank you for doing this thank you I love y'all we love you yeah so that was Misha Harville And we actually have a a little special something for y'all. As you know, she's a musician. um, So we're going to play one of her songs. This is her song. It's called Change Your Life Up If You Let Me. It's a collaboration with fellow artist uh, Josh Ching. So please enjoy. 
staring at the blank page. I'm so sick and fucking tired of the blank page. Looking for answers at the end of my pen. Life, the ink I'm writing with come from an old sage. I hope to die of old age and not from being afraid of this life I made. Talking to my mom in my mind every day. Trying to imagine what advice she'd say. Pat me on my shoulder for the boulder of this life I carry every day. Cause I'm young and black and gay. Look, but don't play. Sometimes y'all looking at my feminine ways. And as a joke, man, they be dimming me. My joggers be condemning me. They snicker when they surround me and him me. And honestly, some days I feel masculine, some days I feel femme. Don't wanna be no casualties of your hers and him. See, I'm just me, Misha Misha. I'm from the East Coast, ain't no beast, so hella soft. Often casually strolling, catch me rolling, taking green back like you owe me cash. Life rolled me past greener pastures, stuck me at the bottom. Had no parents, cause somebody got him, they shot him. Ain't got no fam, got no ends, a few friends. And if y'all still listening, I'll start my story again and I'll say. Find another verse, I think I'll self-destruct again And ain't heard from my fam Cause they say the life I'm in the sin Disgusting cause I'm the sin And ain't no way that I'm aware So fuck it then I had this curse since birth I tried drowning it out and clowning it out I keep me something to always laugh about It's crazy how life made me now I made me how a young lady came from something shady Became something amazing Don't you see it? Don't make me repeat it Stretch, y'all just ain't heard me yet, but I'm a vet. This life's a war, it called me for a higher purpose, so I serve it. Verses assorted, stupid ideas aborted. The silence, I can't afford it. Forfeit on keeping up appearances for people who can't stand me, namely my family and anybody else who stuck me in the box on they shelf. Cause I'm not searching for wealth, I'm just searching for self. Mental health, I wanna be well. It's so hard, but I ain't gonna fail. Nah. Hey, hi, what's up? My name is Misha. If you let me, I promise you won't forget me. Misha and follow her work, um, you can go to our website, Misha.com. That's M-E-Y-S-H-A.com. You can also find her on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash Misha Mish. That's M-E-Y-S-H-A-M-E-E-S-H. Or on Instagram at Misha Music, M-E-Y-S-H-A Music. If you want to find out more about us, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook. You can go to our website. That's sheisfiercestories.org. Uh, Insta is at she is fierce stories and Facebook is she is fierce stories. Uh, pretty easy to remember. <laughs> um, yes, we try to make it easy. <laughs> um, and if you like us, please, please, please feel free to donate um, directly to our Patreon. Sign up, become a patron, um, support female and genderqueer stories. We're really trying to change the narrative of and expand what it means to be 
uh, female and genderqueer and all of the beautiful stories that make up those identities. Um, so patreon.com slash she is fear stories. Yeah. If you want to see more of those stories, we need more money to make it happen more often, which we would love to do <laughs> in many different places. We're trying to potentially make an East Coast show and make more podcasts. And we got big dreams. Broaden, broaden, broaden the team. <laughs> Um, so take a look out for more uh, podcast episodes and live shows in the next few months. And if you want to get involved, definitely sign up for our email list. You can do that on our website as well. Then you can know when our submissions are open, when we have new podcasts out. So check it out. This podcast was made by us, Lene Ingalls and Chessa Betancourt. The theme song is composed and performed by Shelby Easley. Recording, editing, and mixing by me, Linnea. Special, special, special thanks to Misha Harville, Andrea Eaton, Josh Ching, aka Smooth Taka, our wonderful patrons on Patreon, Sean, Amanda, and Kyle, and all of you for listening. All right, babies, stay fierce. Stay fierce. Stay fierce. <laughs> oh, you don't know. Oh, oh, oh. Well, she is fierce.